Welcome to Letter of Introduction, the podcast from Servas Australia that takes you into the lives and homes of people you'd never otherwise meet. My name is Lauren Gordon, and in this episode, we will explore the Servas goings on in a small, landlocked country in the east of Africa. This country is bordering Mozambique, Tanzania, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. The capital city is Lilongwe. How's your African geography, hmm? We go to this place, this place beginning with M, to speak to Demelza, the National Secretary, who with much energy and vision for not only Servas but other human rights NGOs she runs, has developed a volunteer program for Servas members to help where help is needed and to encourage travellers to actually visit the country. We also meet Tayezi, a youth member from this country, who helps out with younger visitors and who has been a member of Servas since before she can remember. Yeah, I can hear them. I can hear those cogs a-turning. Where is it that we're going? Well, dear listener, we are off to Malawi. Now, spoiler alert, I spoke with Demelza and Teezy, who joins us later in the piece... Not actually in Malawi, but on a slightly echoey marble-floored landing adjacent to the stairs after 11pm in Seoul during the Sobas conference. So excuse the occasional background coughing fit of a fellow landing occupier. Okay, here we go. Hello. Okay, it seems to be working. Can you please tell me your name and where you're from? Uh, my name is Demelza Benbo, and I'm from a small country in Africa called Malawi. And how long have you been in service? Since I was 23 years old. I'm 52 now, so that's quite a few years, a couple, couple of decades. Okay. <laughs> and, and what got you into service? How did you find out about it? I was going travelling, and I was a member of um, CCIVS, which is a, a part of the UN. UNESCO in Paris and it deals in short-term volunteer work and I was responsible for the west west coast of Africa short-term volunteer development in that area. CCIVS for those who don't know is the coordinating committee for international voluntary service. The SCI branch its main focus is peace activities through work camps which I'm still involved with and so I knew about Servas because it's it's one of its main goals is peace through the traveler and host exchange system. So I moved to Malawi um, 23 years ago okay. uh, to work in a school. Now, what Demelza discovered was that Malawi wasn't a particularly popular tourist destination. Very expensive tourism or or share a seat on your chicken bus. It's one of the two. There's right. no, like, in the middle poshy buses driving around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're either super rich tourist or you're yeah. on the, you know, shoestring budgets. And no tourists in general meant not really very many service travellers. So Demelza started looking at different ways to attract people to come to Malawi. A couple of years ago, service were looking at how to um, activate and bring and attract youth into the organisation so that it had a, a long-term survival chance. And it developed a programme uh, that was called the Student Youth Language Exchange and they, the shortened version is SIRE, or some people say SEAL. And the idea was that Servas countries would accept a young person into their country and host them while they learned the language. So learn Spanish in Argentina or um, learn Portuguese in Brazil. Um, 
Student Youth Language Exchange, Servas Youth Language Exchange, Servas Youth Language Experience. According to the Servas International website, the last one is what S-Y-L-E stands for. But whichever you choose, SILE or SILE or SEAL is, to quote the US Servas website, a program designed for young service members to improve second language skills through a service cultural exchange during one month in a foreign country. This experience includes language classes, which can be formal or informal, and other activities. Cultural, recreational, sportive, touristic. Sportive and touristic? But what does one do if uh, one lives in a country that speaks an obscure and not particularly internationally useful language. I had a problem with that in Malawi. It's a nice idea, but our national language is, is Chichewa. And I don't really think it's that useful for people to use Chichewa outside of Malawi. <laughs> and I thought, therefore, no young people are going to be attracted to come to Malawi. And our, other, our problem is that we don't have many service travellers. So I came up with a sneaky idea that if I changed and tweaked slightly the SAR program and called it SILE Volunteer, a person could come out to Malawi on the kind of pretenses they were learning Chichewa, but use the vehicle of volunteer work by which to learn a bit of Chichewa. So they come out and they stay with my hosts who've never had travellers, mm. and they have to be the perfect ideal traveller, and I prepare them on that. And then they go and spend the first week spending two days, two days, two days, two days with various hosts. And then they go to one host for a whole week. Now, service normally only offers two days. Mm. But on my program, um, they one host will take a traveler for a whole week. Mm. And they have to get up in the morning at the crack of dawn, wash with their bucket of water, whatever the home has, and they're staying at. And then they go and do voluntary work. And we've had people from Germany, France, Australia, Germany... Um, and they've done a variety of volunteer work. To go back for one minute to the original SILE program, the US website continues in its description saying, based on this intent, that is, the intent of language learning and cultural exchange between traveller and host, the host country will plan an agenda indicating dates and locations of service host families, activities, points of contact, as well as allocated spare time for the traveller. How does this compare with the Malawi version? They arrive, they have uh, the one week an orientation in which they spend two days, two days, two days with six different, with, with three hosts for six nights and they stay with the national secretary two nights and in that orientation all they're doing is staying with them, they're not doing any voluntary work. Okay. So in the daytime they're going to little tiny tourist places within Blantyre area because the majority of our members are in Blantyre. And, and then Blantyre they're having is the capital second, city? No, second largest second city. Largest biggest city. commercial city, but okay. not the capital city, which is our diplomatic centre, okay. which is in the middle of the country. We're in the south. Mm. So that volunteer, during that little tiny, that week they've got to chill back and absorb the country, work out how to use minibuses, mm. they have language lessons. So each mm. morning they have a language lesson which kicks them out of the bed. Mm. It's a bit of a shock coming to Africa because we are up at like, half past five sun comes up and we are up and then we are like out of the house by you know seven so it is a little bit unusual for most people and then they have their language lesson straight away at like half seven okay. so they're straight into it it's a one to two hour language lesson it's a practical they they, they actually go around the market and they practice to each other yeah. and they do that every single day then they go back and they practice their language with their hosts yeah. so they have time to email home time to try some restaurants out 
and sometimes I have hosts meet them um, that they're staying with and meet them for lunch. So that's a chill, like a one week chill down time. And then they go to the one host for one week yeah. and start the volunteer work. And the volunteer work depends upon their abilities, their skills, what basically is needed in the community. It's a very weird concept in Africa to work for free. So it's hard work for me as national secretary to convince someone to take uh, someone who's a volunteer. They don't, quite, paid, they're quite, yeah. they don't quite know what to do with it. They, only, they always want a monetary value on something. I think that's the same for many things in the world. Yeah. If you don't put a monetary value on it, people just don't appreciate it so much. What we do is when the volunteers come out, we ask them to pay for this side experience, $200. And the first $50 of it is kept by their sending country. And it's, I tell people, put it in an envelope and say to your, your SILE volunteer, you see this $50, you can get that money back. But to get that money back, you've got to come back and you've got to give me a presentation on the work you did on your SILE volunteer program. You have to give me a report with not gigantic writing, but condensed reasonable writing. And you have to give me a, a A3 photographic page, um, captions of photographs showing what you did. And you've got to physically give it to me, copy, print it, and laminate it and give it to me. And that $50 will go back to you. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to keep it and use it for something else. The 150 they give me when they arrive, I will put $20 of that to their language lessons. Mm. And then the other hundred, uh, the $100 of it, I will tell them, you're going to do two volunteer placements or three. Think of that $100. If you see a need and you notice they need something specifically, at the end, when you finish your, pro your volunteer program, we will sit down and you'll tell me, look, I think they need a printer. But mm. printing is also very expensive. So we had a volunteer who came out who saw a need with the NGO they were working. We went and we found a printer from Computers for Malawi Schools. And then we went to a ink maker in Malawi and we managed to get them to give 50% of ink and we paid 50% of, of um, money and then we had ink for one and a half years for them oh, wow. and that was a donation that they put because they saw a need and I tell the, the volunteer organisations the organizations they're working with this volunteer is working for free but they have given money and if they feel or they see that you have a need they may give it but if you don't utilise them and you sit them down in a chair and you say, go make me coffee. That's not what they've come to do. They want to support, contribute, give ideas, be active, participate. So if you don't do a good job with the volunteers and utilize them, I doubt they'd even consider giving you, mm. whether they're going to discuss it with me to give you that. So it's a, it's a lever to the receiving organization to utilize the volunteer mm. to the best ability to have an enriched experience. So who's been attracted to this sneaky SILE volunteer program? And what kind of work have they been doing? The woman from Italy, who was, I think, 72 that came out, she collected testimonies at the blood donor unit because they they said to me, we, we need to know what kind of people give blood and what kind of people receive blood, and we want to have a display up, but we don't have time to do it. So I said, oh, I'll bring a volunteer and do all the interviewing, and then we can write that up for you, and we'll get it laminated, and we'll put it all up on a board. And they said, brilliant, that's what we want. So this Italian woman came for two weeks. She went into the street, which is very unusual in Malawi, and stopped people and said, have you ever received blood? Have you ever given it? And then she took their testimony down, took wow. a photograph of them, and then we put that material up. 
and uh, it's incredibly popular. Pe people sometimes come to the blood donation centre, actually not to give blood, but just to look at the blood donor wall to see, it's called the wall of fame, to see who's actually <laughs> received blood and who's given blood. And uh, in fact, they're asking me if we can renew it because it's so popular. And unfortunately, people sometimes come and they actually pull down and steal the laminated photo board because they find it so interesting yeah. um, I, I, I imagine to take to their church and say look this person that we know from our, from our community has given blood but the picture's obviously gone for me so we're looking for someone to come out and do that program again now there's an invitation anyone for the blood donor wall volunteer program get in touch with Demelza so the type of volunteer opportunities offered in Malawi are quite varied and according to the experience of one German volunteer, not for the faint-hearted. We had a German young man come out. It was a bit of a shocker for him. Um, it was when we had our floods and we'd paired up with Gift to the Givers. And they needed and who's, to... who were they, Gift to the Givers? A, Gift to the Givers is an absolutely amazing organisation. Um, it was started by a doctor in South Africa who felt that uh, we should do more active um, helping to, or giving to other people, not just talk about it by giving money. So he sends medical groups, dominantly because he's a doctor, out into areas like Syria to work in the refugee ca refugee camps, mainly doing operative surgery. And he's also developed a food with high protein um, base in it. And we produce one of the products that's in that. And Gift to the Givers um, is an organisation. It's a vehicle through which people can donate money locally within Malawi, and then they that money is funded to the exact projects that Gift to the Givers are involved with. It's very transparent. They've got offices around the world. Um, it's mm. dominantly uh, common among uh, Muslim Indians, but they'll give money to anybody or anything. They're non-religious, okay. non-ethnic. And so you've collaborated we, we did, with them because Malawi. they were making. They were giving. They decided that they would give the emergency food during the flooding, but then they needed to distribute it. Mm. Uh, so they're, they're the people in Malawi, um, they're local people in the mosque, local friends, they all gave money, brilliant. Mm. We were able to buy the emergency food, brilliant. We were able to go to the army and say, can you distribute? They said, yes, we can provide the vehicles. Then we had a problem with how do you actually get it out of the vehicle and get it to the people? A and that's where we came in. We said, mm. well, we'll, we'll take this poor little ger unsuspecting young German idealistic person and we'll <laughs> pop them in the helicopter and we'll make them jump into the crocodile infested waters and grab the gigantic bags of maize and plod across the water and put it on the little islands where the people were stranded and it had no food. And uh, I don't think that boy has ever worked so hard in his life. He right. came back home and I said to him, I've made the meal you asked me to make because you're so, you know, I wanted to you'd have a nice hot meal when you came back. And he said... I don't want a meal and I don't want to wash. I'm going to bed with these dirty legs, these tired arms, and I don't want to see anybody for 10 hours. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> wow. Subhas Malawi has worked really hard to build relationships with local organisations, and this has borne fruit not only as an incentive for partner organisations to properly utilise their workers, but also by way of the occasional perk for a hard-working volunteer. It's not all jumping in crocodile-infested waters, you'll be pleased to know. And we also partnered with a woman from Australia come out and she worked uh, at Chichibi Prison um, in the women's section where we have about 21 women and she taught English for three weeks. She cycled yeah. there every single morning and she was there at 7 o'clock in the morning working right the way through to 4.30 and did that for three weeks and then she then went and 
travelled around Malawi, I managed to explain to in national parks, look, I've had this volunteer working in the Chichiri prison, please could you give her a greatly reduced price? So instead of 350 US dollars per night in these very posh national parks, she paid 50. They so were really kind to her because they realised she'd done so much work. So you have a relationship with national parks as well? Yes, yeah. Right. We, okay. because I have volunteers coming out so they know me. Yeah. I have a human rights NGO as okay. well. Okay. So I kind of have other volunteers coming out to do with that and so they know yeah. me quite well and, and they know my volunteers really work and they enjoy having them because they've given something back to Malawi. It's a different way than a tourist, a tourist would. They're actually giving something to the community. And, and, and if you come and give something, you get really involved in a country. You get to understand it better mm. than, than you would kind of as a tourist passing through. Mm. And you see the problems that the local person has who you're staying with. You know, you realise mm. that that you've just gone doing the distribution of food, but your shoes are utterly soaking. And, mm. and everyone, everyone's shoes are soaking. Mm. And there's no point moaning or groaning about it. You just have to squelch around until the sun dries them out. Mm. So you get a greater <laughs> affinity with the people you're working with and yeah. a greater insight. And, of course, you practice Chicheo a lot because you're using it all the time, and that's the national language. And, and, and while you're working, like while anybody's working, rather than us sitting face-to-face looking at each other, which is a bit intimidating, if we're working together on a task, we're mm. more likely to talk and be emotionally expressive because we're not having to have mm. that face-to-face confrontation. So you actually exchange true. more yeah. than, than less. And definitely language-wise, you do. You try to speak in that language as you tell you just learn. They yeah. laugh and they giggle and they yeah, encourage yeah, yeah. you. It breaks the barriers down. Yeah, that's so true. So I've, I've seen it's a, it's a good program. And at the end, they have that week at the end where they can go and do tourist activities. And a lot of our members, if they've got a cottage at the lake, they let that volunteer have it for free. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't cost them a lot. So overall, they're kind of, it does cost them $200, it does, um, but they'll, you know, as a, as a, re- as a receiving organisation service in Malawi, we're not making any money from no, it. We're, no, no. we're kind of giving that back. Mm. Sometimes we keep like twenty or thirty dollars of it, and we say to the volunteer, "Okay, we're going to have a social meeting while you're with us." And at that social meeting, you have to make a presentation on your country you've come from and everything you're doing. Mm. And we we say to them, "Okay, you we've, you've got twenty dollars left. Should we go and shop and buy some?" like crisps and some special things that you would like to buy from our local shop that mm. you'd like to give. And so at the meeting you can say, because you couldn't travel with it, um, I'll say, oh, this volunteer's bought the crisps and the chocolate and the fizzy drinks, which we don't normally have at a meeting, mm. and you're welcome, they've bought that. Yeah. Okay. So I try to involve them as much as possible. Yes. And um, they can fundraise for when they come, and yeah. then they can explain how that money was spent. So you were talking about that the volunteers come and they work for particular organisations. Yeah. Just give me an example of some of the organisations. We decided to link ourselves to various organisations that we as members in Malawi felt we could help. Mm, So first thing we did is we linked ourselves to the blood donation unit because we felt that if our members give blood, every three months they give blood, they're going to know they're going to be asked, have you had wild unprotected sex? in the last three months that could have enabled you to contract, you know, uh, an HIV or or a sexual disease. And if you know you're going to be asked that question, of course, you're going to be very careful in the three months coming Mm. up to when you have to give blood. So Mm. this encourages our members to keep HIV clean. Yeah, true. And then if a volunteer comes out on the SAR program, I encourage them to give blood. I tell them it's an expectation that they should do it. Mm. Um, And then we go with them and we we encourage them to give blood. But of course, not everybody can give blood. You've no. got an illness, you're sick at the time with flu, you're on any type of drugs. 
those people are prohibited or you're pregnant, you're breastfeeding, you can't give blood. But if you're healthy and well, you can. And if you start somebody as a young person who's come to Malawi giving blood, that could be a lifetime of life saving because one pint of blood will save three children. Hmm. And, and, and blood is something that's utterly unique. There is no product that we have found medically that can replace blood. So if you can get somebody to, get, to become a blood donor, that could be a start in their life. Mm. So we link to the blood donation unit. We have an orphanage that's exceptionally well organized and mm. efficient. And we work with them. We collect clothes. We ask people to give us donations. And then we, we physically act as a center to collect them. And then we go and give the clothes. We also do film afternoons for the children that are there. We take it, um, our laptops along. We've got a little projector. And we take popcorn we've made. And the children just love it. And we mm. just sit and we massage their feet. <laughs> and we watch a, a little movie just for fun. They know us. We know them. And if a SAR volunteer is coming, because we've got this working relationship with the, what's called in Malawi, open arms, then they go to that, that, that children's centre to work with them. Mm. And so it's, it's very easy. We also work with Chichiri Prison, it's the third one, because there's no one that goes and sees a woman at all. There right. is no NGO working. And they're in quite a desperate situation. And very often women in prisons are there for far lesser offences than male prisoners. Yeah. And some of their situations are very desperate yeah. and very, very sad. And yeah. so we tried to go in there to support them, um, just to meet with them, mm. to give them spare detentions, to give them mats. A volunteer that came out from Australia came and okay. she worked for three weeks teaching English. And then at the end, with her money, she said, they've got no mosquito nets and mats. And I said, right, let's go buy mats. So mm. we took her money, we went to the market. I think we bought like 20 mats. We drove it back. We sprayed them with anti-mosquito repellent so that they little mites wouldn't develop in them. And then we laid them down in the women's area and then we, wrote, we hammered nails in and drilled in and we put string across and then we hung nets. But yeah. that was an initiative. I wouldn't have known about that no. if that Australian SILE volunteer hadn't come mm. up with that idea. Mm. And we, I went and had a look and thought, yeah, that's a good idea. Talk mm. to the, the um, head, of the uh, head of the prison and he said, yeah, yeah, you go ahead. Great. And then the women were really pleased. And every day she put apples in as well. She said, I need, I need a budget from that money I gave for apples. And they, were, they came to her teaching English class, not because they wanted to learn English, they wanted the apples. <laughs> so she said, at the end of the teaching English lesson, I'll give apples. Oh, Taisy, I see you have come. We have a youth member from um, Malawi. In fact, Taisy is a, a, a service baby. Um, her parents joined when um, I think she was still in utero. Hi, Taisy. So you, you're involved in organising the SILE program as well in Malawi? Mm -hmm. Yes, but I'm usually involved if it's a youth. Um, she does most of the organising because um, she's the one who can uh, properly talk to the, to the hosts. Interestingly, the more structured and longer stay format of the SILE volunteer program seems to be particularly suited to the culture in Malawi and address some of the hesitations that hosts might have previously had around having strangers stay in their home. You know, in, in African culture, it's not normal that a stranger would walk themselves straight into a village. Mm. It would be the case that I would walk into the village and introduce that stranger, and I would be the one that would vouch for that stranger. So mm. it's a little difficult in Africa, the concept of, 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 of hosting people. So they will often phone me as the national secretary and say, oh, a German, I think it's a French person, has phoned me, and they want to come to my house. And I say, yeah, that's what service is about. <laughs> who are they? And I'm like, right. well, they're a traveller. Hmm. I said, and I have to say, 
you give me the number they gave you, then I'll phone that traveller and say, hi, you phoned my host. Um, I'm just checking up, you know, where are you from? What are you doing in Malawi? Then I'll say, thanks, okay, I'm going to get the host to phone you. Then I'll phone back to the host and say, hi, I want to introduce right. this German traveller that's come, or this French or this Japanese traveller that's right. come. But, and so I act as a safe kind of intermediary. Okay. Yes, yes, right. that, that process is very necessary. Okay. Because you, 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 there, is that, there is the need for someone to come and introduce you yeah. because you just don't come. Yeah. Yes. I mean, African, African culture-wise. And that's mm. why I think some people will travel in... Africa and they see a host list and they phone people and, and, and nobody says yes. Right. Because it's a stranger huh. and they know that they've joined to accept a stranger but they're yeah. waiting some, for someone to vouch and make safe that person yeah, that's because culturally that's how we kind of are. And so with the SAIL volunteer program that's part of that, yeah, I guess, that's perfect, right? Because yeah. it's all set up in advance. Mm, and mm. so they all know who's coming, when they're coming. Mm. I've kind of been intermediate to introduce it. And we have a social meeting, so they often come and meet the traveller before the <coughs> traveller comes to the house. Right. Yeah. Okay. And once the time is right for the traveller to come and stay with their Malawi hosts, it really is an opportunity for cultural exchange. Okay, so um, in my family specifically, yeah. like like she said, both my parents are service. Yeah. And so we try to share um, as much as possible our culture to, to them. So when mm. they come, we're all excited yeah. because we all want to learn. And my yeah. dad really has this kind of thing going on where he, he really drives me and my siblings to try and learn more about, this, about the person before they go. So that right. as they're with us, we should learn as much as possible about where they're coming from. And um, we, we really try that in our meals... Um, in our day-to-day uh, doing, we should make sure that we expose him to our culture as much as possible. And we also make sure that they learn some chichewa. And so that way, uh, not only are we learning from him, but we're also putting an effort to teach something about mm-hmm. our culture. But I mean, we have had some problems. I mean, when, especially if it's uh, if it's a a person who's pale, right. <laughs> pale skinned, like creamy skinned or light brown skinned, <laughs> when they go to stay in a family, everybody can see them, you know, walking along the road or yeah. arriving and going into this house, and people <coughs> around don't really understand what is this family doing with this foreign person? Mm. And sometimes they may have misperceptions and think, oh, and then therefore they must be getting lots of money from that person. Yeah. They're going to be really, yeah. really rich. Oh, my goodness. And honestly, sometimes within two days of a visitor coming, a neighbor or something is knocking on the door asking to borrow money because right. they have this perception and they can't possibly believe that, that, that you, you could have hosted somebody for free. Right. So they suddenly think, ah. Oh. And, and even if you say, no, no, it was for free, they go, ha, 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 ha. Because they really think you're joking. Yeah. They can't imagine that. Why would you host a foreign person for free? It's, yes. it's, so it's someone's, it, it can put my host slightly at risk. And I have mm. to warn them about this and say, increase your security <clears throat> and try to tell your neighbours around you what this peace organisation is about so they can have a better understanding um, and, and keep safe. But that hasn't deterred hosts by the sounds of it, or has it? No, I don't think Not it has. No, no. no, I think if you're prepared for something, yeah. if you're aware yeah. about a possible problem and you're, you, you, you've made the precautions for it or preparation, then it's fine. Yeah. And I, I'm sure most of them are now used to the... Yeah. And so they, they know what they're expecting. Mm. 
Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Is there anything else that you want to mention? Yeah, I, I want to challenge members out there, people who are listening, to consider being a blood donor. I, I, I've given 54 pints in Malawi, and um, I always make the joke when I give blood that that's why there's pale skin looking people around. I've got 54, 54 pints in circulation, which is not true at all, you know, it doesn't make any difference to your skin really if you give blood. My blood looks like everybody else, but I just make that joke. And then they look at my skin and they look around at each other. Like, <laughs> What's going to happen? Yes, yeah. <laughs> but it is, I mean, if you, if you can take anything away from just listening to this, it's that um, every life is precious everywhere in the world. And becoming a blood donor in your community could save the life of three children or the life of, of one person in a car crash or something like that. And it makes you feel good. Mm. It's, it, it's a feel-good thing. Yeah. Mm. We'll give it a go. Great. Thanks very much. so much to Melza and Tazi for talking to me about Servas Malawi and what you've been able to achieve through your sneaky volunteer program. Now, dear listener, you know what you've got to do. Sile Volunteer. Adventures in Malawi. The music used in this podcast is Happy African Village by John Bartman, available under a Creative Commons license.